0: You're listening to a new episode of Empathy Always Wins. Thank you so much, Peggy, for coming with us here today on Empathy Always Wins. Uh, you're just telling me how to pronounce uh, Peggy von De flash How yes. are you today? And um, look, I was so, so, so excited when, when we reached out and we got in touch because I think what you're doing is incredible. Um, a lot of our audience today don't really know um you know psychedelics uh, the intersectionality between psychedelics and mental health so before yeah. kind of i go and dive deep into it would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself i know you had a very interesting background from vc and you know and now becoming <laughs> into an entire sort of different realm so i'll just give you the mic feel free to tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll kick it off from there thank you thank
1: you so much Ali, for for the invitation it's really a pleasure to be uh, to be with you today so as I'm sure you can hear to my accent, I'm, I'm from France originally, but I live uh, I live in Toronto. So I'm in mean, the cold, very different weather than you guys. And uh, so, yes, my background is in finance. Uh, for the last 20 years, I've been a venture capitalist, a banker. And actually, I uh, changed career recently uh, in the last few months. Um really following my experience with psychedelics um, what i was explaining to you a bit offline is that um, i had mental health issue for a very long time it was a very slow healing <laughs> process and uh, i did a lot of research on uh, psychedelics in north america it's extremely uh, prevalent it's actually uh, decriminalized uh, in Canada. So I buy my own uh, psychedelics at my massage therapist. So <laughs> it's a different <laughs> world, And uh, and so I, I started experiencing and uh, I saw great results for my anxiety, yeah. uh, the, I would say my mood, but also managing um, my outlook, which was extremely negative. So uh, since then, I've been uh, singing the gospel of psychedelics. Um, again, what I'm doing is microdosing. We're going to discuss a bit more what uh, what it means, uh, and I'm very, very happy to uh, share any insights
0: uh, with with everyone today on that topic. Thank you so, 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 so much. So, before we dive into microdosing and before we dive into psychedelics, can you tell us a little bit more about what are psychedelics and 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 how do they? Because it's scary. Let's put it that way. A lot of people. Um, you know, when they think of psychedelics, they think of LSD and, you know, all those uh, things, MDMA, all those drugs that, you know, people call the, the good, feel good drugs. Um, yes. And yeah. almost, it almost takes a different connotation or a different meaning as to, you know, can this be used for health? So let's talk a little bit, if you can just share a little bit about what psychedelics means uh, to, to to you, and then kind of let's dive into micro dosing in 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 the way, and we can dive into its benefits as well.
1: Okay, that's great. Well, listen, and I want to start with I never took recreational drugs before, so I was really like absolutely <laughs> not uh, familiar with that. So to your point, I was more on the let's do a lot of research before touching that thing because I was not very keen on trying uh, psychedelics, to be totally honest with you. But when I did research, I realized, so just to step back, so psychedelics can be, you mentioned LSD, you mentioned MDMA, they can be a psilocybin, which is what we commonly call magic mushrooms, mm-hmm. uh, which is what I, uh, I use. Um, I like the idea of being plant-based versus chemicals obviously you have less chance for a surprise and um, but also um so so what microdosing does is it uses the psychedelics to rewire your brain mm-hmm. so you take extremely extremely small dose so you don't get the hallucinogenic okay. effect of yes. psychedelics so you just get the mental health benefits You get additional benefits as well. So I'm going to go into the benefits in a minute. So psychedelics are actually compounds, as I just mentioned, whether chemicals, whether natural, that are working on some of your brain receptors. And uh, the big difference with, for example, anti-depression medication, anti-anxiety medication, is that psychedelics actually rewire your brain. So it works on neuroplasticity. Well, if you're taking um, prescribed drugs, as I mentioned, anti-anxiety and anti-depression, this is just treating the symptoms. You're not solving the problem. So that's the big, big value of psychedelics uh, is that it really uh, work deep in order to solve the problem. So in North America, a lot of trials, clinical trials are happening. Um right veterans organization both in the us and canada are doing a lot of trials with their members Mm -hmm. to help with anxiety ptsd uh, addictions and all uh, depression and all this stuff so it's it's really something that people understand brings the value without the eye you know when we think psychedelics we think, okay well you're popping like three grams of mushrooms and then you're going in space for a few hours you know uh which is recreational you know <laughs> that's a different uh, that's a different uh goal uh, but the intention when you're doing it for your mental health is really to uh alleviate uh the, the challenge that you might have
0: yeah and I know that, you know, you, um, you started also writing a, a book. Can you give us a brief a brief about Paris, yeah. mushrooms and me? Because I know yeah. a lot of people hearing you right now are, are, are seeing a very different take on something that really might be scary. And I think, you know, the fact that you took a, a chance and you've ri- written a book, what does, can you give us a little bit of a, of, of a brief on what to expect about it?
1: Yeah. And, you know, so that's, that's very interesting because if I go back to the benefits of microdosing, you can look at it in three buckets. One is performance and focus which is why it's so popular in Silicon Valley. It's really Silicon Valley that brought back psychedelics and microdosing because they were using it for work, basically. Uh, The second is mental health, as we discussed. And the third bucket is uh, spirituality, really increasing your awareness and and your compassion. So the book actually uh, was written thanks to microdosing and on microdosing because I wrote the first draft in 10 days. Wow. So to give you, yeah, to give you a good idea of how much your performance and your focus is. And um, it was very interesting because I never wrote a book obviously before. And there I was just like sitting every day, writing a chapter a day. And after 10 days, I had the first draft. So that's what I want to mention is that you have great benefits on your mental health, but you also have other type of benefits that will come, you know. But will come, even if it's not what you're looking for, you will still get it, you know. So, uh, so that's all I wrote the book, and the book is really about uh, my experience with microdosing and all um, things that were triggering me a lot before, especially when I was going back home. You know, home is there is no place like home, you know, to trigger you. <laughs> and uh, so, so that's really about me traveling back to Europe. Uh, Going back to France, seeing friends and relatives and realizing that, oh, my God, before I was totally reacting very strongly to that type of event. And now I'm just like, whatever, you know, so it's it's really that journey. And I wrote it in a humoristic way. You know, it's a memoir, but it's more like it's like Bridget Jones meets its prelove, you know, like so I I wanted to make it entertaining as well, you know. Yeah
0: no i think that you know it's it's really interesting how you um i mean how you transitioned in your life and i think that um there's there's so many of us listening today that you know are are fearing something and they're not being able to get past something and they're attached to something or a memory or a trauma um how can we get past this fear of uncertainty or the unknown which keeps yeah. us attached to to something. And I think given that you've experienced what you've experienced, what can you say on that?
1: Yeah, and, and you know, I, I will rewind a little bit in the sense so I, I went to finance as a career and mm-hmm. I had a very successful career, but it was not me. I went into finance for all the wrong reasons because I was conditioned when I was younger. And my reaction was, well, you know what? Uh, being born a woman in the 70s in a small uh, city in the north of France was not necessarily a blessing, let's put it that way. So I was a bit like, okay, I'm going to show you what I can do. And it was really coming from a place of revenge and anger. And so, you know, when you realize that a lot of what you're doing is just in reaction to your family, your society, your ecosystem. For me, what was very important was to delay removing all this layer of protection to the conditioning and realizing what they were. So when you're telling me when you have a fear, as you say, the fear of uncertainty, well, it's because you've been conditioned that way. You've been conditioned to be fearful because it's easier to control you if you're fearful than if you're saying, well, you know what? I am, I am in my power, I know what I want, and I'm going to do it. Because people around you, they are not mean, but they have their own agenda. Yeah. You know, they might not want you to become, I don't know, a YouTube influencer. They want you to become a doctor, because in the family, three generation of doctors. So they're going to create a lot of fear in you, not on purpose, but uh, if you want to do something different. So for me, the first step is first becoming aware of that. <laughs> what are the messages you've been hearing that are influencing you and starting removing all of this crap that, you, that is not yours, you know? So because for the longest time, what I was doing and what maybe uh, you and your audience have been doing was fighting you know, I was afraid, but I was fighting the the fear, which is what created also a lot of struggle and anxiety. but the the I would say the best approach is is to remove slowly, but surely the fear, so you don't have to fight anymore. Does it make yeah, was, sense?
0: Yeah, I, I, and when you're talking, I almost feel like everyone's got this moment that voila, like it just it just it just all implodes and you said i mean you we were talking before the show it was you know when when something or or, or you know you realize this wasn't for you how, how do we almost uh when is it or or, or or when is it the time that we step back or when can we do that uh, and and if you know what you know right now what would, yeah. you, what would you almost have, have done? Would you want it mm-hmm. to explode earlier? Relations? Yes,
1: <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yes, you know, And I'm very delighted because I know your audience is, you know, I'm 45. So obviously your audience is way younger than I. And I wish at the same age I was as, uh, you know, enlightened to to really look into things like that. I was just like one mind track, corporate race and not thinking about anything i think you guys your generation is way more aware and way more interested in doing the right thing versus just doing what you're told and i think that's great um you know for me the, the challenge was layer and i'm sure it's going to resonate with some people who are listening today it was layer and layer of trauma you know so Uh, my family trauma, my brother passed away, you know, a lot, a lot of challenges that came and came and came and came on top of each other until at some point you're just like, okay, well I cannot, I cannot take it anymore but you know, had I been like you guys more aware and starting early and realizing, you know what that is not me, that fear is coming from my mother that is not me, that fear is coming from my school and starting to understand that these were not my choices, but I was just doing what I was told, even if it's not what was my real truth, you know. But it took me a long, long time to realize that I, I was just following what I was told to do, uh, like a good, like a good soldier, for many decades, you know. So I hope you guys stop way before me uh, doing that.
0: <laughs> Mentioned a very big word: the truth, like your truth. What was the truth that you believed, Peggy? Uh, What was Peggy's truth, Uh, believe, and versus now? What's the what's your truth?
1: Well, you know, I I'm not sure it was a truth. It was just you know, the usual things that society is telling you. Okay, well, you need to study. Uh, You need to have a good corporate job. Uh, You need to, uh, you know, get up the ladder. Uh, You need to uh, buy your house. You need to get married. You you know, like just the regular things. I never stopped to think, um, well, maybe it's good for some people, but it's not good for me and it's not what I want. Well, now I'm looking at things differently. I'm like, okay, well, why do I do that I question a bit every I became my own scientist where I'm like okay if I feel you know not very good I'm like why don't I feel good? Is it because that person really overstepped my boundaries uh, or is it because uh, it reminds me of wounds I had when I was a kid and I'm trying to remove all of that so I can really be back to who I was when I was probably a few years old before society was putting all these blankets on me, on you, on everyone, you know? So it's, um, you know, we all have a different truth because we all have a different purpose. But what's important is to know, okay, what is yours, what is mine, and act accordingly to it. But the most difficult, I thought, was to actually even realize that what I was doing was not me. It was just autopilot,
0: from from society you know and does that I think that kind of I think when we're we're on autopilot and we're almost we we almost don't realize why we're getting angry and we almost don't realize why we're reacting so intensely I almost say every hysteric reaction comes from a a, a lack of uh, you know a lack of knowledge of something that's hysterically wrong within I think like it's just a a mirror of what's not been kind of resolved inside and um... exactly
1: exactly and you know that's the familiarity as well yeah because you've
0: always reacted
1: that way so your nervous system is right away going that's why i like i like microdosing because it gives your micro your uh, nervous system you know it, it quieted down a notch so you're not as reactive so it's easier to be present and it's easier to catch yourself before you react the way you used to. You know, like you're able to look at yourself and see, oh, here I am again, being angry. Or, oh, here I am again, being fearful. Or, well, before you're so much in the moment, in the reaction, but you cannot stop the process. Mm-hmm. It's just action, reaction. It's like a Pavlov dog. You hear <laughs> the bell, you salivate, you know. That's, that's, that's that.
0: I think that's a very powerful uh, statement there. And is, is microdosing for everybody? Like, uh, do you ha- is or is this for specific like mental health situations, or what would you say on that?
1: Well, listen. Today, uh, I would say the, the four biggest buckets where clinical trials are happening are really depression, anxiety. Trauma, so PTSD, and addictions. So it still covers a lot. You know, like when you look at anxiety, many, many of us have anxiety, depression. We all have, I think, not all, but a lot of us have also some degree of that. So I would say that in terms of mental health, it covers a lot. Does it mean that it's uh, applicable to everyone? I wouldn't think so. You know, like I think if you have schizophrenia or very uh, deep Uh, challenges, I'm not sure if it's a great idea Um, but again, everything is being tested right now because what happened is that all the research on psychedelics have been paused in the 60s you know as I'm sure you know with Nixon and the war on drugs, so we lost 60 years of research on what could have been, so now people are really trying to catch up, but you know clinical trials take time yeah.
0: So yeah, I think uh, there's so much we can learn. And um, um, what where do you see the future of of microdosing and uh, psychedelics uh, in your point of view? Do you see it kicking off in in certain countries or within certain careers or like? Because I think the the, the luxury well being and, and 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 almost this 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 uh, need for now us to kind the happiness is becoming. Such a big, big, big topic today that that we really um and and then of course Gen Z, like people, you know, 25, 23, up to like 20, 30 and, and even above and beyond, they're starting to realize like I don't care about certain things. I'd rather just understand myself and I am enough. And I think that's a conversation that's starting to change. So where are you where are you seeing that correlate with uh, microdosing yeah. and psychedelics. Do you see there's a correlation, or do you see perhaps yeah. certain people are more likely to? Because I know you're you're part of that community as well. What yeah. are you, what trends are you seeing?
1: So you know it's very interesting because I've I've been doing a lot of public speaking on on the topics and people come to microdosing for different reasons. Uh, as I mentioned, some people more corporate come to it for performance and focus. So. It has absolutely nothing to do, I would say, uh, related to awareness. It's exactly the opposite, actually. <laughs> but but we might still get the benefits. So that's good, you know. After you have, uh, probably like you, your audience, myself, people who are doing it for a couple of reasons, mental health, but also awareness, which for me are very, very linked, you know. And so I see people from all ages different genders, different background, being very interested with that. And it's very um surprising because the most unlikely people I'm speaking with are actually the most interested in the topic. So you cannot really say, okay, it's gonna be the the cool kid or the whatever. No, I have like literally like guys in their 50s corporate jobs, super straight, that are asking me questions what my regimen. You have mothers, you have, you know, like it's really a very, very, um, it's great. I mean, you want not just people who are already um, more aware to look at that. You really want everyone, otherwise, you know, it's never gonna change, you know? So uh, so no, it's, it's, I don't think there is a profile
0: and and kind of before we wrap up, I'd love to learn about your regimen. I think this is the biggest question. <laughs> I wanted to leave the best of uh, the, the yeah. for last. What is your microdosing regimen and, and how do you and, and, and how are you going on about it?
1: Yeah, so so first I want to say that I did a lot of research. So I didn't start just uh, like that. Uh, but I also want to say that we all have different bodies. So my regimen might not be the optimal regimen for you. And even my regimen today is not the same than the one I had six months ago, because I'm not the same person. Actually, my dosage has decreased drastically. Yeah. So, so I, uh, so when I started, I did a lot of research and there was a very interesting uh, piece on microdosing for beginners. So, uh, microdosing, share um, that too. You can share that in the link. I will, I will, I will share it and I will share, you know, the piece I wrote with my regimen and all of that. So, you will have, you'll have everything. Your audience will have everything. Um, So, microdosing is basically taking five to 10% of a dose that someone take for a trip, you know, and you take that small dose every day or every three days, depending on what you want. Uh, Some people who are more focused on performance will take it from Monday to Friday, Mm -hmm. and then they pause during the weekend. So usually, uh, so when I started, I was taking 300 milligrams Mm -hmm. of psilocybin, the mushrooms, not uh lsd don't take that as lsd because that's a lot (laughs) and mdma something so i'm really speaking about uh, about psilocybin and you also have different type of mushrooms so i started with what we call the golden teacher which is the mildest the most beginner type of mushroom so i started with extremely small dose every three days and then i started experimenting every other day, a bit bigger, a bit smaller, until I could see what was good for me. And that's really what I recommend to people is start with something that is normal or average, and then look because you might not like the same mushroom. I love a golden teacher, you might like another one. You might want to do it every three days. I do it every two days. you know so, so it's, it's important to um, start with a baseline but adjust. To your own need you know it's not one size
0: fits all thank you so much peggy before we wrap up i just wanted to sort of do a quick fire round that's me asking you a question and you kind of responding back just very quickly so are you okay good? okay
1: i am um, great yeah uh,
0: what would you say is a book that influenced your life
1: the alchemist i really liked it yeah. Oloquello, I'm sure many of you have read it, but it's uh, it's still a book I'm I'm reading uh, often. Yeah,
0: yeah, I love the Alchemist. What would what so would... there is a
1: second one? Can I give a, a bonus yeah. answer? Yeah. I love I love Richard Bach. Uh, everything he wrote. Illusions, uh, Living Stone, so I can write you down. Richard Bach, excellent, excellent as well. Your audience going to, if you love The Alchemist and Quello, you're going to love Richard Bach and Illusions and everything you
0: wrote. I'm going to be sharing all those recommendations with the audience once we sort of wrap the podcast and you send uh, uh, the links over. Um, if there was one thing you wish you had known um, at the age of 25, What's one thing you would have told your 25-year-old self? One thing Well
1: that that you know I uh, I should live my life for myself and not to please others, you know, and I realized that I, I built my life around others' needs versus around my own needs. And that was a big mistake. <laughs> so really focusing on what is good for you versus doing what you're supposed to do, that's probably the biggest advice I could give to anyone.
0: Thank you so, so, so much, Peggy. And uh, I hope you really enjoyed the, you know, spending time on Empathy Always Wins. It's always a pleasure yes. having you on. And uh, I definitely yeah. think that this isn't going to be the last time. We'll definitely do a part two later on. And uh, as we continue to microdosing, because we don't have people that talk about microdosing. <laughs> uh, 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 well. If you want,
1: next time, I will talk to you about macro dosing because I tried that as well. So it was, it was very, very good. But thank you so much, Ali, and thank you to everyone who's listening. I always answer if there are questions so people can feel free. I'm sure you're going to put my social media handle. So if people want to reach out to me, I'm so happy to um, give more details
0: if, if it's helpful absolutely no i'll definitely do that and um yeah we'll definitely touch base thank you so much Peggy. thank you uh do feel free to share it with your friends drop us a rating on apple subscribe to the show follow it on spotify and we'll see you soon in a new episode of empathy always wins take care and have a lovely day guys